0: Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball. So expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is reacting to the WNBA semifinals and looking at the WNBA finals. So let's begin with the first semif- semifinals matchup between the Chicago Sky and and the Connecticut Sun. And Jalen, this was a wild series with an unexpected outcome.
1: Well, I think that depends on where you stand on the fence. If you're your boy who said that pretty much this season goes through Connecticut and Las Vegas, I said that the team most likely to upset them was going to be the Chicago Sky. And my biggest thing was I said that the team that beat Connecticut was more likely to most likely to win the championship. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, but in this series, man, Chicago was just the better team. I mean, across the board, you look at it, and and the and uh you know the three games that they won, they won by anywhere between uh, three to ten points. This game was really hard, uh, hard fought, or this series was very hard fought, back back and forth. But Chicago was just the better squad overall. I think the biggest thing. That I have to lean on. When you talk about, you know, maybe what the faults in this series were, especially if we talk about from the Connecticut standpoint, I think it's just that DeWanna Bonner wasn't the consistent twenty point per game score that she was for most of the year. I mean, throughout the series, that she she was in circumstances where. She wasn't really doing that kind of damage. We look at game one. She has 13 points in game one. And game two, you look ahead to that. and game two, she only has 15 points. And across the board, they didn't have a single player outside of DeWanna Bonner and Alyssa Thomas to score more than 15. Hell, Jonquil Jones in check with only four points per game. I mean, only uh, only four points in that game. That's huge in a kind of outcome like that. Um, that they were able to do, that they were able to do such a thing, um, and then I mean, in Game Three, I mean, and that's that's the ironic part is with Game Two they were able to win despite those circumstances, and Game Three you look at that one it was a close th- um, three point ball game in which DeWanna Bonner did have 22 to lead lead the team, but I think that was a circumstance where it was too little, too late. You look at DeWanna Bonner and John Cole Jones in this series the dynamic duo, arguably one of, if not the best duo in this 2021 season, it seemed like throughout all four games, at least one of them was not on their A game. You know what I mean? And I think that's a huge credit to, you know, the top five caliber defense that Chicago Chicago has. Um, But the fact that they were able to be so disruptive to the point that they took those two players out of the, out of the series or at least slow them down throughout the series, was huge. Alyssa Thomas was a big player for them coming off the bench. Talking about Connecticut at that guard spot. But Ryan, we harped on it all year. If it was Jonquo Jones, DeWanna Bonner, and Brianna Jones carrying this team, they were not going to be successful in the postseason. They were going to need significant contributions from the backcourt if this team had any hopes of winning a championship. Now, Alyssa Thomas did her thing coming off the bench. But, of course, like I said beforehand, between the big three, at least one, if not two of them, were held in check on a consistent basis, which pretty much offsets the guard assistance, which means either you need another guard to step, step up, in this case, a Brian, Jan, uh, Brian January, or Natisha Heideman, who we were big on coming into the year. Or, like I said, you need that big three to be consistent. And that's a terrible bet to have when throughout the season. We haven't seen any legitimate proof of that on a consistent
0: basis. I can't say you're wrong about a lot of the points that you made. First of all, just looking at Chicago, I think defensively they proved that they were consistent. They proved that they could be consistent, especially on both sides of the floor. I think defensively was where their calling card was, because if you get Candace Parker, one of the best defenders in the league in free agency to come play for your team, um, to play, to play for your hometown team, essentially, like you're getting the best version of the Chicago sky with their best defender and with, with one of the best defenders in Candace Parker. And I think with their ability to not only shut down with this Connecticut team, but shutting down two of their main players, I think that was key to victory in the in this series. And Dwana Bonner definitely struggled in this series. John Qual Jones had to carry the main load at times where she looked to be where where she looked to be, you know, not only the best player on this team, but she was even struggling at times at carrying the load of this team. So when you look to the supporting cast of this team, Natisha Heidemann had uh, 16 points in game four, but she was pretty much a non-factor in this series. The supporting cast really wasn't effective uh, through most of the series, unless you look at game two, where Brienne January and Jasmine Thomas uh, combined for 24 points. So outside of that, you can't really point out a game where the supporting cast was truly effective outside of game two. And you could tell looking at game two that the Connecticut Sun were in full effect. They had help from their supporting cast. They were locking up Chicago's top scorers. It was very difficult throughout that series to maintain that consistency uh, for Connecticut. Trying to lock up the top scorers for Chicago, and also trying to get that help from the supporting cast. They really didn't have a lot of that help from the supporting cast, and Chicago was able to get a lot of their help from the supporting cast throughout their from out throughout the series. So, I think that's that's pretty much what led to the Connecticut Sun's downfall in this series.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I guess that's the best way of being able to round it out is talking about Connecticut. Um, they just. This year was a really great year for them. I mean, you know, we typically try to do this as a wrap up. And now that we're at the end of the WNBA season, it's only fair that we try to wrap up these last four teams a season in a whole. And I mean, this was a really solid squad, 26 and six overall first in the Eastern Conference. They were eighth in points per game, but they were first in opponents points per game as one of the better defensives in the WNBA they were last in pace, which had a lot to do with the fact that they played through that big three in the front court so much. They had to be that, you know, slow, methodical scoring uh, scoring team that also played hard-nosed defense, kind of early 90s, Knicks style. Um, you know what I mean? Second in offensive rating, that had to do with a lot of the efficiency around the basket, again, with pre- with players like Jonquo and Breonna, uh, Breonna, Jones, Breonna Jones, along with um, DeWanna Bonner. First, and defensive rating. I mean, from a record standpoint, it's not even arguable. They did their thing all year. Um, they ended the schedule out, you know, twelve and oh Um, in their last twelve games. I mean, that was huge. Um, really solid way to be able to come into the playoffs. I do wonder if having that short stint of time off, um, for the first and second round of the WNBA Finals was, I mean, of the WNBA playoffs was too much, of a uh, of a kickback for them, allowed them to get a smidge complacent, and it came back to bite them as opposed to Chicago for example, who played in that first round and played in that second round as a team that was having to make a legitimate run from the start from start to finish. I don't know if that hurt Connecticut at all, but um what what are your thoughts on this season as a whole? I mean, like I said, it was a really great year for Connecticut, a lot of things to build upon. Very disappointing way to be in end the year considering the kind of talent they have.
0: Yeah. I I think if I had to put a grade on this season for the Connecticut Sun, I'll have to say a B plus a minus somewhere in that range. I think that with the amount of talent, like you mentioned, this team should have won the WNBA finals, they should have won the WNBA championship. They had the coach of the year in Kurt Miller. They had the MVP in John Paul Jones. This team was being consistent throughout the year. They were also one of the best rebounding teams in the WNBA with players like Brianna Jones and also John Claude Jones getting those rebounds. They also had, you know, great shooters on this team, like DeWanna Bonner, Natisha Heidemann was pretty good to start the season coming off the bench. But the one thing that kept hindering this team was the, was the lack of a supporting cast. And, if you look at their record, you could say they really didn't need the play of their supporting cast that much considering, like you mentioned, they went 26-6 and and were the best team in the WNBA. But when it came time for the playoffs, you could tell that the big three could not carry this team any further than the WNBA semifinals. And I think when you watch Chicago – they looked like the better team out there, and I think the big thing for them was just to be consistent on both sides of the floor. And they got that consistency, especially after um, the Dallas Wings game in the first round. I think they realized they had to be consistent. They couldn't let teams get back to them. They couldn't let teams go on a run and almost take the lead. They had to take. They had to hold on to the lead throughout the game. They have to play their best basketball throughout all four quarters. And I think that's what the Connecticut Sun really struggled to do in the playoffs. And it's unfortunate the way that their season ended because this team had a lot of promise.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only reason why we're not talking too much about Chicago right now is just because the, the next series is going to be, you know, Chicago littered um, when we talk about getting to the finals. Um So, you know, that's the only reason why we haven't talked about them too much. But, again, shout-out to Connecticut Sun. Shout-out to Coach Kurt Miller. Shout-out to MVP, Jonko Jones. I mean, very huge year across the board um, for Connecticut and definitely a season to build upon considering the fact that this was a really, really legitimate team that just was met by a hungrier team, met by a team that maybe was a lot deeper across the roster. And a team that was just well fit in a matchup against them, considering the the balance they had in the backcourt with players like Diamond DeShields, um, like Courtney Vanish, like Ali Quigley, um, you know, uh, you know, across the board, where it was just not a favorable match matchup for um the Connecticut Sun, especially talking about a player in the backcourt and Kalia Co- uh, Kalia Copper, who I mean. Let's be real. One of the better around the rim finishers in the league. I mean, uh, all the guards, the board, I think the deck was the deck was stacked against Chicago. I mean, it was uh, the deck was stacked against Connecticut and Chicago kind of just played up to their potential.
0: And I think that's the best way that you could put it, because Chicago was a team that you look at the record at 16 and 16 and they did not look like the best team by record. But when you look at this team, when you saw the way they played against Connecticut, they definitely put up a fight against one of the best teams in the league in the Connecticut Sun. And and definitely a shout out to Connecticut because they had a great season and hopefully they can rebound and and compete for the championship again next season. But moving on to our next semifinal series with the Phoenix Mercury taking on the Las Vegas Aces and Jalen, another wild upset and this was definitely another phenomenal series between two great teams
1: yeah man this one was really unprecedented and I really was not expecting this one out of the fact that Las Vegas is just so deep and they're so like, strong in all areas across the board with former MVP or with training or I guess it's former now former MVP uh Oja Wilson leading the helm and you know this is a series that you know, after game one, you know, they win, they win game one 96-90, and you think under those circumstances, you're like, okay, this is the tone setter that's going to be significant. You know, you talk about the fact that Phoenix was coming off of a, a winner go home scenario right prior. Maybe they're, you know, maybe that would take enough out of them as it was in that game. You could argue that in that game one, they got their best shots. From Brittany Griner and Diana Taurasi combined for 44 points. Brittany Griner had seven rebounds and six assists in that game. Taurasi had five rebounds and six assists in that game. Um, everybody in in um everybody in the starting lineup scored double figures for Phoenix. You you would think in that first game that basically Phoenix gave Las Vegas their best shot, and Las Vegas still came out with the dub. You know what I mean? Kelsey Plum comes comes off the bench with 25 big points. Chelsea Gray with 17. Aja Wilson with 15 and 9. Raquanna Gray was huge. Raquanna Williams was huge with 26 points and four rebounds as well. I mean, across the board, you would have thought that game one was the tone setter that said, oh, Vegas is back. Vegas is back and ready to win a championship. Then the next two games happened, Ryan. 117 to 91, favorite Phoenix. 87 to 60 in Game Three. Talk about a turn for the worst. Um, that's where things got pretty hectic. Um, and I'm not gonna lie to you. This is that 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 Game Three is really where things got worrisome for me. I, I don't want to just chalk it all all up to the blowout. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that the team's best players in that game were shut down in a way that I didn't know was actually possible. Audra Wilson, eight points. Jackie Young, eight points. Chelsea Gray, six points. Raquana Gray, seven points. Chelsea Plum, six points. Liz Cambridge, who you remember, Ryan, we were concerned even on whether or not she was even going to play in this series. Liz Cambridge – played 22 minutes in that game, scored 13 points. She led all scores for Vegas in that game. That's where the turning of the tide for me turned around. And of course they bounced back with a blowout win in game four, but I think that game three was so significant because it told us that that depth can still be vulnerable. They can go eight, nine deep in terms of their rotation, but that There is still vulnerability, even with the amount of players that they can lean on, down to the fact that they had two MVP caliber players combined for less than for for less than 25 points. That's huge. Six women of the year, Kelsey Plum, less than 10 points. That's huge. So then, of course, we get the game five, very close game um, ends 87, 84 in favor of um of phoenix and this was a game that i mean the stars aligned 28-9 for britney grinder 24 from diane Tarasi, 15 from shea petty i thought that was a huge huge asset uh, in the in this series in this game um and then 14 from scarlett Diggins smith along with eight assists i mean Ryan, what are your thoughts, bro? I, I know I've been kind of rambling on because it's just so mind-boggling. But, like, what are your thoughts on this series, man? Because I, Las Vegas, I had them pegged in as, you know, the, the,
0: the comeback season, and Phoenix was not having it. Yeah, this is what I call the comeback season for Las Vegas because I definitely thought they had a chance to come back, do what they didn't do last year, and win – The championship. I was very wrong. I was very wrong about that because I, after watching game one, after what, after what Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, and Raquina Williams did, that trio combined for I think it was fifty nine points, and took over to help the Vegas Aces win in game one. I thought there's a chance that they can hold on and continue this, the these performances throughout this series. And I think that's what that's what I thought Vegas was going to heavily rely on going through this series was the play of their three guards, Plum, uh, Raquina Williams and Chelsea and, and Chelsea Gray. Games two and three, I think, were the were the tipping points in favor of the Phoenix Mercury. You didn't even mention Diana Tarasi dropped 37 points in game two. She was she was going right. crazy in that game. But also, I mean, throughout the series, Brittany Griner, I think, was the best player in this series, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't even close. Even with Diana Taurasi dropping 37 points, the consistency of Brittany Griner on both sides of the floor, if it wasn't for her block in Game 5, the game-winning block in Game 5, I don't think Phoenix would have been able to win that series. I don't think Phoenix would have been able to win if the game was pushed to overtime. But Brittany Griner was the player who saved the game from going to overtime with her game-saving block on Aja Wilson. And I think the other thing, too, and this is something that we kind of touched on with Phoenix a lot. The supporting cast came up big once again in this series and specifically in Game 5. Because of all players that come out and have a big game, Shea Petty turned back the clock to last year. And dropped fifteen and five, including a couple of clutch free throws at the end of the game, uh, at the end of game five. So there were there were just so many different factors that were working for the the Phoenix Mercury that it was impossible to stop them. And I think Vegas put up a great fight, but again, I think I think Phoenix came in as the hungriest team, trying to win, and hopefully. Pull off an upset, a huge upset at that against the Las Vegas Aces. Not even mentioning that Ty- uh, Diana Taurasi and Skylar Diggett Smith also had great games in game five. Um, Smith had 14 and 8. Tarossi put up 24 points. I think this big three for the Mercury was dangerous going into the finals. And if they're supporting Cavs would continue to perform at the level that they were playing at. I mean, they they had a great they they would have had a great chance to win that final series against the, the Chicago Sky.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a I think you know when we talk about Phoenix, and we'll go a little bit more in depth in this in the next series when we get to the, you know when we actually get to the finals. But when we talk about Phoenix, the biggest thing that we said going into coming into these playoffs, especially after last year's disappointment, um, disappointing in um, in the first round of the playoffs, was would the big three of Diggins, Smith, Tarashi and Griner be able to truly step up under the bright lights as a unit, as a trifecta. And throughout this postseason, we saw the maximization of those three in a big role. I mean, against Chicago, we see this a little bit more, especially because it was spread out. And that was, that was a grimy series. There was a lot of physicality throughout that series, a lot of back and forth. Um, I remember uh, specifically, I think there was an altercation between uh, Sophie uh, Cunningham and Kalia Copper that definitely went viral um, in an interesting way as well. It just went to show you just how back and forth that series was. And it shows you the kind of swag that this Phoenix Mercury team was coming in with. Um, And against a team like the Las Vegas Aces, who are extremely talented across the board, you have to come in like that. And across the board, Ryan, I think we both can agree that Phoenix is not a more talented team than Las Vegas. I don't think that they are a more talented team across the board. But I think your, your best point is that they had arguably the best player in the series, though. Brittany Griner went ballistic across all five games, and I think that was huge. And you talk about the game ceiling block, that's been something that's been influential in her game from her times back in college in Baylor. Her impact on the defensive side has always been her calling card, and this offensive aspect has been something that's kind of slowly started to develop um, over the years. It's great to see that we got a TBT-O to Baylor moment kind of old to early, you know, early career, Brittany, in terms of coming up big in big moments, something that you you would hear on the on the, the telecast. There was a time when she used to fear those moments. She actually used to be concerned, and it affected her play. And I think that is an ode to last year, for example. And one of the biggest things that they that they were preaching on this Phoenix Mercury squad was play within yourself, just do what you do well. And I think that block is a microcosm of her playing on the big stage at the level that she has always been known to be at defensive stalwart who will get you much needed buckets, dominant force inside. She did everything she needed to do. And I think that's, I think that's the main thing. We talk about Phoenix. Let's wrap up Las Vegas this season before we move on to the finals. What are you, what are your thoughts on the Aces? Bill Lambier, another really solidly coached season. Twenty four and eight overall, first in opponents, uh, first in points per game, fifth in opponents points per game, first in pace of play, first in offensive rating, second in defensive rating. This is this is one of those teams that you know they got to be a little bit disappointed after falling short just barely last year, and in this season, I think they would have been a much more interesting matchup against Chicago than Phoenix was. But nonetheless, I still think that across the board, this was a really strong Las Vegas Aces team that is going to be knocking on the door every single year.
0: I think the word contender, you can attach that to the Las Vegas Aces because I love the way this team is put together, especially when they get back Kelsey Plum and Liz Cambridge for this season. I think that when you have two talented players like like Plum and Cambridge, you can't count this team out. And even with somebody like Aja Wilson carrying them to the NBA or to the WNBA finals, I think it's so important to talk about the depth of this team because this team is loaded with talent. And I would not doubt for a second that this team can make it back to the WNBA finals. Because they have the talent to do so, they have the coaching to do so, they have the personnel to do so. So i we I would not be shocked to see this back to the, to see this team back in the playoffs. I also would not be shocked to see this team back in the WNBA finals.
1: Yeah i I genuinely believe that this Las Vegas Aces team is going to be here for a while. Um, They came into the postseason with a little bit of trouble, obviously, with it being that, you know, um, Liz Cambridge, who we thought was an MVP caliber, you know, player this season, or at least played like it, um, had to be on a pitch count, you know, from a minutes perspective, which I thought was huge. So, you know, definitely a disappointing year, you know, with the way it ended. But nonetheless, I think Las Vegas, like I said before, man, I think that they're going to be here for the long haul. They're going to be a really dangerous team. Um, as long as they keep this core together, I think the biggest question we have to ask is what is going to be the circumstances of Dierica Hamby going into this offseason? A player who definitely could have been the sixth woman of the year had, you know, Kelsey Plum not had such a hot streak as an offensive player coming off that same bench, which is so crazy to think about. Again, talking about the depth of this team, Um what they're able to do with the Erika and Hamby is going to be huge. This offseason is going to be really interesting when you talk about the, the balance of power in the WNBA. Will we see Sue Bird back? Will we see Diana Taurasi back? Um, player movement around the league could be a really interesting thing. We've already seen that Atlanta, uh, the Atlanta Dream, have signed a new coach. And there's a high probability that Courtney Williams, their lead guard and all-star guard, is not going to be coming back. Um, For that team, that's going to be a huge storyline for Atlanta next season. Kennedy Carter is another player who I think is probably not going to play for Atlanta next year. There's a lot of potential player movement um, next season, which is going to be really intriguing to keep an eye on over the course of the offseason. But Las Vegas, man, like I said, if they can keep things relatively together under their current circumstance,
0: they're going to be in the mix for years to come. Absolutely, and I think if they, they keep this this core together, like you mentioned, this team will go places. This team will eventually break that ceiling and win the championship. So, moving on to the actual championship, the WNBA final series between the Chicago Sky and the Phoenix Mercury. Jalen, this was a battle between two underdog teams throughout the season. What are your thoughts on the series? Man, This was a really,
1: really great series to watch. Um, I actually watched um, the last game, yesterday's game, uh, with my girlfriend. And it was an intense, intense game to watch. So much physicality. You know, Phoenix jumped on Chicago. You could tell. With the winner go home atmosphere, being in Chicago, the circumstances on both sides, knowing that Phoenix needed to be able to bring this thing back home for game five, knowing that Chicago wanted to be able to close things out in Chi Town, not only just for Candace Parker, but to be able to wrap things up and label themselves as WMBU champions. You could tell that this series needed to end yesterday. And The craziest thing, specifically in game five, is the will to win, Ryan, is a really interesting concept because it's not quantifiable, right? It's one of those things that you kind of just, you have to watch film, you have to kind of see the mannerisms of players and get a feel for what their will to win is. And Candace Parker, you could see the pans, you could hear it when she was wired up. And it was, you know, just keep playing our games, just keep playing our game, calm down, calm down. You could continuously hear it in the huddle. And it was this overall aspect of play within yourself, do what you do. We've said that a little bit uh, throughout this podcast already, and I think Chicago really embodies this. And you could see, especially down the stretch of game four, that Chicago was just a more under control team. They were the team playing with the most focus as opposed to Phoenix who was playing with the most urgency down the stretch. We watched a handful of blown layups, um, which I thought were really impactful. Um, Skyler blew one. Um, I think Brittany blew one as well. Um, across the board, The finish to that game, there was a snowball effect after a couple of the blown layups that just showed you that this game was going to start flipping in favor of Chicago. Candace Parker locked up on defense, which was huge because, again, Brittany Griner was, I think she was going to be, I think she was going to be, you know, finals MVP. If they go take it to game five and they win the championship, I know Diane Tarasi from a, you know, Cinder out Swan song standpoint would probably have gotten it. But from a, from a productivity standpoint, Brittany Griner was probably the best player of the entire postseason. And that's no offense to Kalia Copper, who won, you know, w, WNBA Finals MVP. That's no offense to her at all. But I think that arguably, Brittany Griner was the best player in the entire postseason. So Candace Parker's final stretches of final stretches defensively were huge. Um, another player that we have to show huge, huge shout outs to um, from that step, uh, from that standpoint, Stephanie Dolson. Stephanie Dolson at game five went down briefly with a scary looking head injury. Um, that took her off the that took her off the floor barely as she played through it, gotten a little bit of foul trouble, but was the main defensive option on Brittany Griner throughout the series and especially in Game Five. Uh, the combination of her of her and Azura Stevens were huge. Ryan, I, I mean, I could ramble about this team all dang day, so I'm gonna pass it over to you, but. Man, talk about a great storyline for the 25th anniversary of the WNBA season. You know, Chicago kid and Candace Parker returns to Chicago for the sky. Deep squad across the board at all the positions. Hard fought out of the sixth seed, win the championship, get it done in game four in Chi-Town. Huge way to end the year, bro.
0: I think the series had multiple storylines. I think if you look at Chicago first, it's the hometown kid in Candace Parker trying to bring a title back to Chicago. I think that was their first ever WNBA championship. So, first Great. of all, congratulations to the city of Chicago for getting a WNBA championship. Phoenix coming into to this story, coming into this championship with the storyline of will this be t- Diana Taurasi's last ride? I don't really know if it's her last ride. I hope it isn't. Um, I would love to see her and Sue battle it out for one more year. Um, And then you look at, you know, Brittany Griner just being maybe the best player in the WNBA through this stretch of the postseason, which is, which it was safe to say early on. I mean, she was, she was playing her best basketball throughout the season. And I think it was after the Olympic break she was playing an MVP level and then that transitioned right over into the playoffs where she just continued to have great game after great game after great game after great game game. but I think game three was really the turning point of this series let's let's talk about game three for a second the best player in that game for the Phoenix Mercury by far was Brittany Griner who Mm -hmm. was their only double digit scorer you could tell that chicago was locking the down on defense because they did not allow another double digit score outside of Brittany grinder and they allowed they allowed the phoenix mercury to only score 50 points and this was at home they blew him out by 36 so i'll give credit to chicago defensively but chicago offensively late in game 4 Candace Parker hits a three with about two minutes to go. That was that. I think a lot of people are going to look at that moment and say that is when Chicago won the title. Uh-huh. But then Courtney Vandersloot, I think it was with like twenty to thirty seconds to go, hit uh, hit a turnaround fadeaway jumper <laughs> right. to to basically seal the deal for the Chicago Sky to win that to win that game and ultimately win the series. So that those were just two clutch offensive moments by two clutch offensive players for the for the Chicago Sky team. But I have to look at it, I have to look at it from a different perspective. Because if this series went to Phoenix, I have a feeling Phoenix would have won would have won game five, which is why I'm glad to your to your point earlier that this series needed to end today. This series this series needed to end in game four. Um, and it did. Chicago won 80 to 74. Candace Parker wins another WNBA championship, first one for Chicago. And Kalia Copper, who had a phenomenal season, but also a phenomenal postseason where she uh-huh. went off for a couple of big 20 plus point performances, she got finals MVP. Uh-huh. But I think this was a, a big time competitive series. And I think that Chicago they had to fight their hardest to win this one because Phoenix was not going to let up.
1: Correct, man. I know that three, one looks like domination, but it was not, it was not as simplistic as the ended of the series looked at all. And I mean, this was huge, Ryan. I mean, look across the board. There are four best players, Courtney Vanishloo, Kalia Copper, Allie Quigley, Candace Parker. Ironically, you can gas up Candace Parker. Um, as much as you want as an overall player but she, i mean she wasn't even the leading scorer for this team she was third and she was third in scoring on this team probably somewhere between fourth fifth or sixth overall in the series between the two teams courtney vanishley was huge all postseason. season uh average 13 points 10 assists and a steal and a half per game on um, kalia copper like you said beforehand. Uh, led the team 70, 17.7 points per game, 1.9 assists, 5.3 steals. Again, I'm going to keep saying it. I said it on freaking Twitter during the game. Kalia Copper is easily one of the best around the rim contact finishers in the WNBA, bar none. That up and under move is lethal, bro, lethal. Ali Quigley, 15.2 points per game, second leading scorer on the squad. Biggest thing from her – on 7.4, three-point attempt, she was hitting 36.5%. That was huge. I'm talking about the reigning three-point shooting champion right here, doing big big things and big moments, huge moments, especially, you know, game four was huge. Um, I think she's going to go as an underrated unsung hero that was keeping them in that game with her three-point shooting as well. And then, of course, Candace Parker, 13.8 points per game, 8.4 rebounds, 4.4 assists, uh, 2.1 steals, one block a game. I mean, come on, man. I mean, across the board, this was huge. Not a great postseason for the players like Diamond DeShields, Shields, who had probably a lot more significant impact during the season. Maybe not from a you know, from a a, a a metric standpoint, but I thought that Dominic Shields just played better during the regular season in terms of steering the ship on that second unit. Um, but nonetheless, very impactful as a defensive player for them. I thought it was huge. Average 1.1 steals per game for them. Like I said, shout out to Stephanie Dolson and Azura Stevens. They were the primary defenders for Brittany Griner. We're talking about the best player in the postseason again. Um And they had to deal with that for four games. So they were getting a lot of buckets in their face. So, I mean, man, this this Chicago team, very resilient, very hard-fought, hard-fighting team. Shout-out to James Wade, uh, Coach James Wade. Huge, huge season for this team, bouncing back from being, you know, a lower seed in the playoffs to – I mean, making one of the most storybook runs we've seen in a while. This was almost like an NCAA season kind of run entire in terms of the kind of storylines behind everything. Um, and they got more. They got more ahead of them. I mean, you know, it's really interesting. You look across the board and, um, I mean, you 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 look at it like this, right? Kalia Copper is only 26. Azura Stevens is 24. Stephanie Dolson is 29. Diamond Shields, 25. A student in our 26, Dana Evans, who they picked up from uh, from Dallas, 22, uh, Lexi Brown, 26. You know, they're older players in Allie Quickly, Courtney Vandersloot, Candace Parker, you know, between the ages of 31 and 34. But that still gives us about at least one or two strong seasons from that group, though, that trifecta. Along with this young core that they have surrounding them. I'm not saying that this can become some kind of dynastic squad, but this is a team that I don't think is going to give up their reigning championship status very easily. So it's going to be a lot of teams chasing after them. It's going to be really interesting to see how
0: they play the offseason, considering that they are the team on top now. They're the haunted. Not to mention, I mean, game four, you mentioned three of the older players, Allie Quigley, Candace Parker, Courtney Vandersloot. all of them had a hand in helping this team throughout the season, and mm-hmm. all of them had a helping hand in helping this team win a championship. I mean, if you look at game four alone, Courtney VanderSloot was one rebound away from getting a triple-double, which I think would have been the first WNBA triple-double in finals history. And then Candace Parker with 16 and 13, including that three, with about two minutes to go to kind of help Chicago take the lead. And then Allie Quigley was 26 points in this game. Like, that was huge to help this team down the stretch early on in the game, get the lead, hold on to it, and maintain it. So that, that was – that. The, these three players were so good throughout the season that I think the word dynasty could be attached to this team because of the fact that consistency has to be the name of the game going forward. I think if they could continue to win with this core – we could see a very Houston Comets-like dynasty. And if you you are a WNBA fan from day one, the Houston Comets were the most dominating team through a four-year stretch with players like Tina Thompson and Cheryl Swoops on that team. So we could see a very Houston Comets dynasty-esque run from the Chicago Sky going forward. But, As we cap off the 25th anniversary of the WNBA, this was our first full season covering the WNBA. So, Mm Jalen, what are some of your final thoughts after this season?
1: Man, I'm getting chills talking about this. This is so crazy. Um, like you said beforehand, first official season in full covering the WNBA, great year to do it too, 25th anniversary, man, it feels like that part of things falls to the back of my mind sometimes when we cover this team, so focused on the analytics and so focused on breaking down on the squads that you almost forget about the fact that this is such a celebratory year for the WNBA in terms of the progression that it's made over the last couple of years. And this is this is a league that is on on the rise as, you know, female athletics continues to become more and more important in society, um, focusing on the fact that, you know, females are athletes too. females are females in a lot of aspects are <laughs> even better athletes than most men. And I think sometimes people have a hard time fathoming that the WNBA is one of the greatest leagues. In the world. I don't care what anybody says, bar none. I hate that the WNBA has to send these players overseas to still make a check, you know, after the season is over because of, you know, things in terms of being able to pay equally to their male counterparts because the WNBA is so exciting. It's so talent filled across the board. Um, there's talks of expansion teams coming soon. I would be ecstatic if they did that. Bring one to Maryland, please. That would be so dope. I would be so for that. I mean, don't get me wrong. We got we got D.C. We got the D.C. Mystics. But, hey, hey man, I, I'm not bad at bringing something a little bit closer to the Baltimore area. I'm for it. Definitely for it. But, um, yeah, man. It was just a really, really great season. I wish we could have went even more in depth. We had a lot of topics on the books that unfortunately we didn't get to get to top five duos. That might be something we can do during this off season here and there. Um, Top top five, you know, players in the WNBA in general. Um, me and Ryan at some point definitely got to compile our top 25 list. We might make our own top 25 list of WNBA players in the league currently. That's definitely something that we were looking to do and still have the opportunity to maybe do during the offseason for the WNBA. I mean, guys, it was really, it was really appreciative that you guys were uh, along with us on this journey covering the WNBA for the first time. And we plan on definitely expanding upon this even more. Ryan's already gotten the books that we're definitely planning on covering G League next as our next little underrated, underrated league to, to kind of bring more attention to. Um, to the mainstream ba- basketball, you know, area. So, um, yeah, man, really, really solid WNBA season. Couldn't have asked for a better way for it to end. As a guy who's really big on Chicago basketball, as a guy who's literally been inspired by what the Chicago Bulls have done this offseason, what the Chicago Sky did this season, literally inspired me to create a, a blog and a podcast all around it. Um, shout out to Chicago Sky again. Shout out to Candace Parker, all of the players for, for Skytown. Great season, man. Great
0: season. This was definitely an exciting season to watch from start to finish. I think from the opening tip with the first game with the New York Liberty and the Indiana Fever, Sabrina Ionescu returning for the Liberty, hitting that, hitting that game winning three to help the Liberty get their first win. I think that was just the exclamation point for what this season would become later on down, down the, uh, later on down the stretch of the season. I think the season just got more exciting by the month. I think once they hit the playoffs, like you could tell that there was a different energy. You could tell that I think that, I think that there was just so many different games that were, just exciting to watch. I mean, throughout the playoffs as well, I mean, the Liberty taking on the Phoenix Mercury in that first game of the opening round, having it come down to the wire, having an, an unknown player that wasn't really getting talked about and Sophie Cunningham step up and have a huge game to help boost that team, that Phoenix Mercury team to the next round. And then Chicago's run to the finals, Phoenix's run to the finals, I think that this was the perfect way to end end the season because it was an underdog team with a hometown kid that ended up winning the championship. I think that's the perfect storybook ending to a storybook 25th season of WNBA basketball. If you aren't watching the, if you aren't watching WNBA now hop on the bandwagon because we're watching it too. Like this is, it's an exciting, it's an exciting league filled with exciting players. So definitely looking forward to covering the WNBA more along with some of these other leagues that don't get enough attention, like the G league. Um, On that note, transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what did you guys think about the WNBA finals and what are you excited most for, for WNBA's next season? This has been a great episode today on the who talk podcast. Of course, Make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, we rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We will see you guys next episode. Peace.